All right, everybody, how are we doing today? It's the Hoops Observer, and I'm here to talk about some of the current events in the NBA, break them down a little bit. Um, Some of the topics that I'll be discussing today will be the Lakers' short-term and long-term future. Um, We'll talk a little bit about the MVP race, and then we'll talk about the playoff race as well, and just some general trends I've noticed over the, the week in the league. So, We'll go ahead and get started here, but once again, it is the Hoops Observer. Please feel free to subscribe or like this. Feel free to comment as well, and let's get started. Now, before we get started on the Los Angeles Lakers and their current playoff situation, I do want to talk about the playoff picture as a whole. Uh, Today is March the 1st. Overlooking the standings now, Um, To me, it's pretty straightforward. I think both conferences, both East and West, one through six, will be in the playoffs in some form or fashion. Um, In the East, that's Milwaukee, Toronto, Indiana, Philly, Boston, and Brooklyn. And then in the West, that's Golden State, Denver, OKC, Portland, Houston, and Utah. A couple wild cards out there. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the Eastern Conference playoff picture, and then we'll move to the West, and of course that will bring us to one of our big topics today, which is the Lakers and their current situation. Um, So in the East, you have the Detroit Pistons, who are 7-3 and over their last 10. Now, they have had a relatively easy schedule. They've played the Knicks twice, Washington once, Atlanta, and Miami. Um, But they've also had pretty solid wins in that 7 out of 10 stretch, including Denver. They won by 26, believe it or not. And they also beat Indiana uh, during that stretch. So they've had a couple good wins. And overall, they're really starting to create a little bit of a gap in that seven seed. As far as their schedule coming up, they have overall some pretty easy games. They do play Toronto, but uh, they also play Cleveland, Chicago twice. They play Miami. Um, and then towards the end, it looks like their schedule gets a little tougher. So if they can get hot and capitalize on this next about seven or eight games, they should create some distance between them and the eight seed in the East. Now, here is my surprise team right now, the Orlando Magic. I mean, these guys have won nine of their last 11. They've been outscoring their opponents 123 points per game to 110.3. That's a 12.7 point differential, which would easily be the best in the league. Granted, it's a small sample size, but... Um, 12.7 would easily be the largest point differential in the league. Now, unlike Detroit, where they've had a couple easy games, the Orlando Magic are probably having the most mind-boggling 9-11, and 11, excuse me, 9 out of their last 11-game win streaks here. What I mean by that is they beat Toronto by 15, they beat Charlotte by 38, they beat Milwaukee by 20. They beat Indiana by 7. They beat the Nets by 13. And just last night, they actually beat the Warriors after being down 11 points in the fourth quarter. They came back to win that game. So they've had some really, really solid wins on their resume. Now, remember I said it was a little weird. They also lost to the Bulls by one point, and they lost by... Five points to the Knicks. They really gave that game up to the Knicks. They were outscored 30-13 to 13 in the fourth quarter. To me, that's a game that they should have won. And, and just imagine if they had beaten the Bulls as well. They would be on an 11-game win streak right now. They've only lost two games by a combined of six points. You'll definitely take that. Um, do I think the Orlando Magic are as good as the 15-point 
win over Toronto, 38-point win over Charlotte, and so on? Not necessarily, but do I think they're as bad as the loss of the Knicks or the Bulls? No. They're definitely somewhere in between, but I think with the way that Charlotte's been playing lately, they've lost three out of their last seven, and being a local Charlotte team, the Charlotte Hornets just cannot close out close games. I don't know if it's an issue with the play calling. I don't know if Kemba just runs out of gas. I, I don't know. I, I can't explain it. I'm starting to just think, you know, this team is what it is. And unfortunately, they do the same thing, expecting different results. Unfortunately, it's just maybe not a good team. The, the Charlotte Hornets always kind of come start off good. And towards the end of the season, they tend to have a bad streak here and there. And this could be... The one that puts them out of the playoffs because Miami's also making a little bit of a run for it. So I would, if I was the Charlotte Hornets, you just lost the eight seed. You really need to regroup. And um, they got Brooklyn tonight at Brooklyn, which will probably be a tough game for them. But they'll probably need to regroup and, uh, you know, really try to punch this thing through if they want to make the playoffs. Because Orlando and Miami are definitely hot on their heels. And um, Charlotte can easily fall out of that eight seed. So... My predictions for, if I had to make a bold prediction today, I would say one through six in the East remain the same. Um, So that's Milwaukee at one, Toronto at two. I think Philly will actually leapfrog Indy for that three spot. And then you'll have Philly at three, Indiana at four, Boston at five, Brooklyn at six. I am going to go bold prediction here and say that the Orlando Magic will make the playoffs and they will actually be the seventh seed when you look at their schedule uh, as long as they can maintain this level of play they should be a safe bet to make the playoffs and I know that sounds crazy but their upcoming schedule is pretty easy relatively speaking they play the uh, Pacers on the second but after that they play Cleveland Uh, Philly will be tough, but then they get Dallas, Memphis, Washington, Cleveland, Atlanta, New Orleans, and Memphis. So they have a nice little solid stretch there after that Philadelphia game. If they can just go, you know, maybe take two out of three between Indiana, Cleveland, and Philly, then they got a nice little stretch of it looks like about seven games or so where they're going to place non-playoff teams that they could really create a dent. Um, Detroit, I think because of Blake Griffin, the great bounce back season he's having, Andre Drummond is always a great player, definitely underrated. I think as long as they can maintain what they're doing right now, they'll do just enough to hold on. I just, I just don't see it for Charlotte. I'm sorry. I I think they're going to fall out. I think they're going to get within a game or two, uh, once they're officially, out of the race or it's officially a long shot for them to make the playoffs they'll probably do what they always do and go on like a six or seven game win streak but it'll just be a little too little too late um and i actually think the miami heat will probably finish above the hornets so um one through eight my final predictions we have um obviously milwaukee at one toronto at two um i did say philly's gonna leapfrog indy for the third spot you'll have indy at four Um, Boston at 5, Brooklyn at 6, Orlando at 7, and Detroit at 8. So let's transition now to the Western Conference. Um, I think as far as that's concerned, I think 1 through 6 will pretty much stay about the same. Um, Golden State and Denver are within a half game of each other uh, for 1 and 2, and Oklahoma City and Portland are tied for 3 and 4. But I don't think... 
any of those teams are in danger of missing the playoffs. And I don't think any of those teams are actually in danger of falling farther than either one or two for Golden State and Denver or three and four for Portland. Houston, I think, has a nice little lock on the five seed. And I think Utah is going to carve out a nice little spot at the six seed. So seven and eight. And that's where it gets tricky because you really got five teams fighting over two spots. Currently, you have San Antonio at seven tied with the Clippers. Um same record wise at least Clippers at 8 at 34 and 29 so both San Antonio and the Clippers are 34 and 29 the Kings are two games behind at 31 and 30 although I think that Bagley injury is going to hurt the Kings I think it might do just enough to kind of get them out of the playoff race Um, you got the Lakers right behind them at 30 and 31 And then the Minnesota Timberwolves, who I think are all but done, but I'll give them a slight shout-out just because of the little resurgence they've had and the great bounce-back season Derrick Rose has had at 29-33. and So, unfortunately, from here on out, we'll eliminate the Timberwolves, and let's talk about two seeds, four teams. I think in this situation, I think the Spurs are going to make it. I think that team just has too much talent and too good of a coach not to make the playoffs. If they don't make the playoffs, it'll really be a disappointment. It'll be a huge indictment on, if anyone, DeMar DeRozan, um, because I think Toronto's flourishing without him, and they are actually a legitimate team now, whereas before everyone was just kind of like, yeah, Toronto's a cool regular season team, but we know what's going to happen when the money's on the line. People aren't saying that this year about Toronto, and I think if this would be the first year that San Antonio misses the playoffs since they've had Tim Duncan and he's even retired and they've still made the playoffs. I mean, they made the playoffs last year without quiet. I think that would be really bad look for DeMar DeRozan specifically if they were not to make the playoffs, but I don't think they will miss the playoffs. I think they're going to actually finish as that seven seed. I think he's going to bounce back um, DeMar DeRozan specifically. I think LaMarcus Aldridge, Greg Popovich, he just got too much talent there to not make it work. So, Now we're down to three teams and one seed. I do think the Clippers are going to fall out, which will leave the Los Angeles Lakers coming in at the number eight seed. I just can't bet against LeBron. I'm sorry. Um, Every time we bet against LeBron or say he's done, you know what he does? He goes out there and wins it a little bit just to remind us that he's not done yet. Um, The injury to Bagley and the Clippers just basically selling the entire team for cap space. I think think those two things are going to knock the Clippers and the Kings out of the playoff race and the Lakers are going to do just enough to sneak in so my thing here is for the Lakers if they play Golden State it's going to be a tough it's going to be a five game series you know they probably get one maybe two at home but I don't really see it going that far so here's what I'm getting at Uh, I said earlier I was going to talk about Lakers short term and long term future Short term, you almost wonder, is it worth it to make the playoffs? Now, if they get Denver in the first round, it's absolutely worth it because I think you could showcase Kuzma and Ingram, and you also can probably put up a way better fight against Denver because Denver hasn't made the playoffs in a while, especially with this core and LeBron James being the veteran that he is. Um, I think he could really, really take advantage of that situation No player in the league does better when they smell blood than LeBron. So I do think that if the Lakers make the playoffs and somehow the uh, the basketball gods have the cookies crumble their way and they get the Denver Nuggets in the first round, I'm not saying upset, but I'm saying six or seven game series where all of a sudden 
the Lakers and the young talent looks a lot better than people were perceiving it as. Now, the reason why I say is it really the best for the Lakers to make the playoffs? Because if they play the Golden State Warriors, I don't think so. I mean, it's tough to say, right? Because you don't really know who how it's going to shake out. we still got a month left. Anything could happen. But let's say the Lakers play the Golden State Warriors in the playoffs. They now lose, or LeBron specifically, now loses to them four out of the last five years. And does the team get that much better? Does Kuzma and Ingram, do they show out that much more than we've already seen that's going to be like, oh, wow, they're... They're really the real deal. I mean, don't get me wrong. Kuzma and Ingram are playing great. In fact, let's uh, let's take a moment to talk about that. Kuzma, since the trade deadline, is averaging 23 points per game, shooting 52.9% from the field and 41.8% from three. And he's making about two and a half threes a game. So he's providing solid offense. Brandon Ingram, likewise, 22.8 points per game, uh, 51.8% and 43% 51.8% from the field and 43% from three. I mean, those are those are good numbers. I mean, those you have two players other than LeBron on your team averaging 20 points a game. That's enough to get it done. Um, I don't think LeBron is giving it his maximum effort. I just don't. I'm sorry. He's he's always on TV doing like shows and interviews and you know <laughs> he uh, he was hanging out with Two Chains to record his album as opposed to you know being with the Lakers. And then he's quick to point the fingers. It just kind of smells like somebody who's trying to take the onus off them and put it on someone else. It just kind of seems like that way. It's it's hard to, as a Lakers fan, it's hard to really feel the guy's pain when, from a fan, you know, you when you put the team, when we put, the, at least I put the team first, right? As a Lakers fan, I put the team first. And, you know, I see that he's not quite the same LeBron that he was in the in the past. Um and I don't know, maybe he's just saving his energy, but he makes a statement about playoff mode activated and then goes out and loses to the Grizzlies and the Pelicans in back-to-back games. So it does kind of it does kind of give me trepidation that he's really giving it his all. And I think, you know, if if they get Golden State or if Golden State pulls ahead and is the clear number one seed, the Lakers I don't say tank, and and they definitely should try to make the playoffs. But if they miss the playoffs and they give it their all, and they really say, you know what, we we did our best. LeBron missed seventeen, eighteen games. We really did our best. We just couldn't get it done. The West is competitive. They now have a lottery selection, which is a lot more valuable than the draft pick that they would have had had they made the playoffs. Because to make the playoffs in the the West, you know, you're probably looking at forty two to forty five wins, whereas in the East, you might not even need to be 500, so you're probably going to be at least a few spots behind the two Eastern Conference teams that made the playoffs. So, all in all, and then you'd roll the dice, and you know maybe you maybe you actually mess around and get a top three pick. Now, all of a sudden, you call New Orleans and you say, "All right, look, we got Ball, we got Ingram, we got the number three pick in this draft. Let's let's make a deal." Do I think that's going to happen? No, I, I think the Lakers are going to make the playoffs. So I don't think this situation is going to happen. But what I'm trying to paint a picture here is would it really be that bad if the Lakers miss the playoffs? To their fans, absolutely. Lakers fans is championship or bust. But in the long term for the Lakers, if they were able to get another lottery selection that then turns into a really attractive trade asset, it might make the difference. 
Um, because I know everyone's talking about, well, Boston's probably going to get him. Do you guys realize what you're dealing with with Danny Ainge? This guy is the shrewdest negotiator of all time. You know, he'll he'll tell you whatever you want to hear. He's the kind of guy when you when you go to a car dealership and you know you, you talk to them over the phone and you, you build a good rapport. Even the first time you visit them, and you know you go you test drive the car and they say, "Oh yeah, you know we'll give you a thousand dollars for your car, no worries, no hassle, and you know we'll get you paying this amount per month." Then you say, "All right, great," you know. And then when it comes time to really put the pencils to the paper, Danny Ainge is kind of like that. He's going to say, well, we're not going to, we can't really give you a thousand for the car. I mean, there's some ding marks, you know, you, you, you had this, you have that. So we'll, we'll give you a couple hundred for it. And well, you know, we know you said your, your payment was going to be this much a month, but you know, it, it turns out you're probably going to have to pay a couple hundred dollars more a month. And you just feel bamboozled. Like, I think that's what's going to happen. So let me paint this picture to you in a little more descriptive fashion in terms of basketball. Danny Ainge is like, oh, yeah, you can have Jason Tatum. You can have Jalen Brown. You could have Marcus Morris. You could have Marcus Smart, you know, whoever you want, Al Horford, uh, Gordon Hayward, but nobody's taking Gordon Hayward. Um, so the Pelicans are like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. And we get all these nice draft picks, too. Oh, yeah, this is awesome. Um, so then come, you know, June, July, when it's really time to make a trade go down, Dan, you say, well, I don't really know if Kyrie's going to stay, so I'm not so prone to Tatum, Jason Brown. And New Orleans will be like, well, you said Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and you know Al Horford for Anthony Davis for some of those draft picks. And then Danny will be like, well, you know, we'll give you Jalen Brown, and how about Marcus Smart and Gordon Hayward? And our first round draft pick. Like, I just feel like Danny Ainge is going to pull some stuff like that at the very last second. And ultimately, it's going to hurt the Pelicans. Because now the Lakers are going to say, well, that offer you're getting from the Hornets is, I mean, not the Hornets, the Celtics is way worse than what we were offering. So we were going to originally give you Kuzma, Hart, Ball, and Ingram. But now pick two out of the four and we'll give you our draft pick. I just think the Pelicans probably aren't going to get as good of a deal as they would have gotten had they traded Davis at the deadline. But, you know, who knows? Um, but I, I think ultimately he ends up as a Laker. And I think the Lakers not making the playoffs, potentially getting a lottery pick, could really actually do wonders for them in terms of getting Anthony Davis. But ultimately, for this to work long term for the Lakers, they're going to need um, what I call the LeBron plus one theory. And what that is is... The Lakers have two max spots, right? There was no secret of it. They had it going into the summer last year, and they'll have one spot this year because LeBron took one, right? So the LeBron plus one theory. Now, to me, the original LeBron plus one theory was going to be him and Paul George. Now, I don't have any inside sources. I'm just a normal uh, guy, just like everybody else who kind of watches and gives his thoughts on this. But I do remember hearing reports that there was a trade, it was like a blockbuster trade with, with Paul George going to Cleveland as the centerpiece. So I think there was two different trades um, around that time, which, you know, Brian Windhorst was on record for saying that pissed off LeBron. Um, one of them was a trade involving Phoenix. I forget the exact parameters, but the Cavs would have gotten Eric Bledsoe and Kyrie Irving would have gone to Phoenix, which... Obviously, once Kyrie Irving got wind of it was one of the reasons why he was a little pissed off and asked to be traded. But the other centered around Paul George um, 
when he was still in Indiana, Denver, and um, Cleveland. So it was going to be a kind of a mixed match here. Kevin Love was going to Denver. Paul George was going to Cleveland. And then Gary Harris and some trade pieces were going to uh, Indiana. Indiana's probably really thankful they didn't make that trade. But let's uh, let's digress from that. So Paul George was ready to commit to the Cavs, but ultimately he nixed it at the last second because he wanted assurance from LeBron that LeBron would opt into his deal. So he said, all right, I'll play with Cleveland, um, but I need LeBron to guarantee that he'll give me another year. So we'll have at least two years together in this to try to make a run in some things. And LeBron declined. I don't know if that rubbed Paul George the wrong way or what, but, you know, next thing you know, he's traded to OKC and Russell Westbrook is, you know, committed as can be, signed a super five-year max extension, going nowhere, right? And I think Paul George saw that and said, you know what, I I believe in this guy because this guy believes in me. And I think he took a look at LeBron and said, LeBron's looking out for himself and that's fine. It's his prerogative. It's, It's the nature of the business. A lot of players do it, but he knew that with Russell Westbrook, he had someone that he would go to bat for for the next three or four years, whereas LeBron, and it turned out he did leave him high and dry, um, would have left him high and dry in Cleveland for a year, but um, so that's all. I, I I think that rubbed Paul George the wrong way. Now, granted, Paul George opted out of that deal too, but I think there was some type of back and forth that Dan Gilbert wanted him to opt into it his extra year, and he wouldn't do that without assurance from LeBron. So, um, yeah, so I I think it was pretty cut and dry. Paul George said, nope, I'm going to OKC. I think LeBron at that point in his life was already set on going to L.A. He's got a lot of Hollywood ventures, and I think it's something regardless of what Paul George did, he would have wanted to go. So that was the plan, right? Hypothetically speaking, you get LeBron, you get Paul George, and then you package all those young guys for one more superstar, and you you form your big three and whatever's left of the young core of the Lakers. But that didn't happen, Um, and I think if I think the Lakers got to be really careful about trading everybody for Anthony Davis if they don't get another player in free agency. So if they get like a Kyrie or Kevin Durant, both kind of pipe dreams, but Kyrie maybe a higher chance than Kevin Durant, Um, or even to a lesser extent, like maybe a Kemba Walker or a Jimmy Butler, then you can definitely come off some of those young guys and trade for Anthony Davis because you'll have a really solid championship contending to core just based off those three alone. And then, you know, if you can keep either Ingram or Kuzma, um, and then maybe keep Josh Hart as well and chip off ball and um, someone else, and then next thing you know, the Lakers are back in the thick of things. So I do think the LeBron plus one theory needs to happen. I think he'll need one free agent to sign this summer, and you know he might not get that that super duper all star. He he might end up having to, and I don't want to say settle because these guys are all extremely talented, but a Nikola Vucevic or a Chris Middleton of sorts. Um, someone along those lines, he might have to end up pairing with, which could. Honestly, help him out in the way because maybe the Lakers then can build a little more depth around him. They can make some smaller transactions with some of the young pieces and maybe not get, you know, a super star top 10. But, you know, they can get a couple top 20, top 30 players to kind of mesh together and 
just the depth alone would make them an interesting team, especially as LeBron ages. I think more depth, the better, um, because if he's not there to carry them, you know, you definitely either want a team of more than one person that could step up, but you don't want LeBron and everybody else, or you don't want LeBron and one superstar. That's what happened in Miami, and that's what happened in Cleveland, ultimately. Once Kyrie left, LeBron didn't have that alpha that could just take over. Kevin Love is great, but he's not um, in the same way Kyrie Irving is when it comes to just dominating games and taking over. So I do think that LeBron will still need to get another free agent to make that Anthony Davis trade worth it. And if they don't get a free agent, you could try for Anthony Davis, but I wouldn't sell the farm. Not at that point, because then you'll have no cap space and you'll just be stuck with LeBron and Anthony Davis and that's it. And all your trade chips will be gone. Um, so we'll see. Um, maybe, you know, like I said, maybe Danny Ainge turns around and lows ball, them, which I think is going to happen. I think Danny Ainge is going to lowball them. They're going to get there, and it's going to be like that situation where, um, you know, Memphis said Marshawn Brooks, and the other team said no. You, I think it was Phoenix said no. You, you said you were going to give us Dylan Brooks, and it turns out, you know, they just don't do it right. I could see New Orleans and Pelicans picking up the phone, calling the Celtics, say, hey, we're ready to make this trade. Um, so you said Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Morris, and Al Horford. And, and a draft pick or two for Anthony Davis and uh, this, another salary dump, right? Well, 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 Danny Ainge will be like, well, 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 you know, maybe not Jason Tatum, but we could give you Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart and, and Gordon Hayward instead. That's a pretty good deal, right? I, I don't know. I don't trust Danny Ainge. I think um, shrewd negotiator, man. I, would, I wouldn't want to make deals with him. I probably couldn't make deals with him because it would just go nowhere. But... Um, Anyway, we'll see. I really hope the Lakers put it together. I, hope, I really hope they make the playoffs. Then uh, I hope this summer that they can make some moves without selling everybody. Um, I would really like for them to keep Kyle Kuzma. I think he's gonna he'd be a great piece on a championship team. I mean, this guy, he just plays tough, and he's just not scared of the moment, and he's always afraid to go at it. Ingram's starting to get that, though. I, I will admit, you know, over these last couple games, Ingram's starting to get it. And the way they're playing, I mean, you got... Kuzman Ingram at about 23 each. You actually got LeBron averaging a triple-double, uh, 26.7 points, 10 boards, 10.8 assists. Um, his shooting percentage is a little down that we're accustomed to, about 48.5, but all in all, he's still playing good basketball. He's just not giving any effort on the defensive end, and I think the fact that he's always trying to passive-aggressively point the finger at everyone else is burning this team out, so... Hopefully, they'll get it settled. Um, but, you know, like I said, I do think that LeBron needs to add another major piece, whether that be a superstar um, like a Kyrie, Kevin Durant, Jimmy Butler, Kemba Walker, or at least a, an all-star caliber player, someone like Chris Middleton and Nikola Vucevic, before they start going all in on Anthony Davis, just so they can have a little bit of a better um, idea of what their roster will look like long term and what they could offer so um anyway that'll about do it for today um i did want to talk about the mvp race as well but we'll do that another time i'll set up a separate time for that one so everyone thanks again for joining in this is the hoops observer and i hope you have a great day